0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Illuminate podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay Hine, and you're listening to episode eight. Today on the podcast, I'm talking with Gary Brackett. Gary is a former NFL linebacker. He played for the Indianapolis Colts for nine seasons, one of which they won the Super Bowl over the Chicago Bears. Gary has a huge success story in his football career. He was actually a walk-on to the Rutgers University football team. And by his senior year, he was the captain of the defensive team and won the team's defense MVP honors. He then was an undrafted free agent in 2003 when he was signed by the Indianapolis Colts. He worked so hard to get to where he landed in his career. And he has created this profession out of motivational speaking and encouraging people all over the country. He's also a restaurant owner. He's an entrepreneur and owns a restaurant franchise called the Stacked Pickle. Gary also has a foundation called the Gary Brackett Impact Foundation where their mission is to make a positive and lasting impact in the lives of underserved and chronically ill youth and their families. Gary lost his mother, his father, and his brother in an 18-month time period. And through watching his brother be in the hospital and go through treatment and see how many families needed help through those times, he was encouraged and motivated to start a foundation to help those people. And he's going to share about that in the podcast. All right. There are so many great messages in this episode that Gary has to share. Get your pencil and paper out and take some notes and be inspired big thank you to the EdgeX Mentoring Conference for having me out and letting us record some podcast episodes for the Illuminate podcast. What a great event that is every year here in Indianapolis. They bring in some of the best speakers in the world. So it was really great to be a part of that day. And I'm just honored to have had the opportunity to speak with Gary. So enjoy my conversation with Gary Brackett. Well, welcome to the podcast, Gary. Thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, we're talking with Gary Brackett today, and we are at the EDGE Mentoring Conference. You just got off the stage. How do you feel?
1: I feel great, man. The crowd was electric, obviously, uh, Dave Neff and the people at Agile, great job putting together that conference. It's the fourth year, 2200, completely sold out. So an amazing crowd. You know, the energy was there. So I just feel great coming off stage, seeing so many people that are here trying to better their lives.
0: Yeah. I, it feels like you get a lot of like energy from speaking in front of a crowd like that.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, when you say something and they respond and you, you say a joke and it works and they laugh. Yeah. You know, that's always good. If it, does, if it doesn't work and they don't laugh, <laughs> it's a different conversation. Yeah,
0: what do you do? That's always my biggest fear is that I say something that I think is going to be funny and nobody responds.
1: You know what? I think, so for me, it happened to me before, but the thing is, like, I used to speak, but I was just like, all right, but I'm going to try this, but I hope it works. And I didn't give it 100% when I tried it.
2: Mm. So
1: I tried it at 70% and it didn't work. When I tried 100%, it'll work.
2: Okay. So you have to be all
1: right to have... People laugh at you, make fun uh-huh. of you. Yeah, he's silly. He can't sing, but it was part of the joke. So you yeah. guys get it. So when you go 100% all in, like things tend to work a lot better.
0: Yeah, you got to go all in. That's it. That's like your message. That's like your yeah. life story, actually.
1: That, that's it, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's funny. It's trial and error, but I've learned because everyone, and I didn't touch on this today, different speech for a different crowd, but one of the biggest things in life that I really want to promote is we have to change our relationship with failure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Our whole lives, everyone always told us it was bad to fail. Mm-hmm. Our parents protected us uh, for uh, for failing. So true, right? In, in grade school, if you got this, if you took this class mm-hmm. and you were fresh, if you failed, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Don't take that class; it's going to be challenging. You might fail that. No, you you should take it because you're going to fail it because you don't know it. So then you get to learn it, and then you get to get better, and then at the end you'll be okay. And you got to be, because you started bad. But guess what? You learned a viable skill. And I think the relationship between success and failure, it's success and failure are not opposites. Failure is actually a part of success.
0: Yeah, I love that. And actually, that was one of the talking points I wanted to talk to you about. Um, let's go there real quick, and then I want to get into your career. But since you're already talking about it, let's go there. Okay. Um, I've heard you talk about setting really big goals. Mm. And it being okay and letting it be okay if you don't actually accomplish the goal. Because if you don't set the big goal, what are you going to do? You're just going to be okay with satisfactory. So talk about that a little bit.
1: I think most people's problem is not that they set a big goal too big and they miss. is that they set a goal too small and they hit it. Yeah. So most people like comfortable. Like mm-hmm. last week, if you're in sales, you sold 75 so this week your goal is seventy five. You like you want to. You want be the same as last week. Like you don't want to grow at all. Ten percent, twenty percent. And I think the challenge with most people is I talked about in my speech this whole thing about opening up the jar, mm-hmm. right? And 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 maxing out and say no, I want to sell seventy five. I want to sell one hundred and seventy five. And if you sell one hundred and thirty, <laughs> right? You're not excited. You're not ecstatic. No, that's growth. And I think um, people are sometimes afraid to put themselves out there, having a challenge to go and not hitting it. Yeah. But for me, if I don't hit a challenge to go, I'm like, awesome. Like for this year, I wanted to sell, call it um, 10 franchises. If I end up with eight, pretty, pretty excited.
0: Yeah. You know, I love that anecdote too, because I'm actually experiencing this in my own life right now. I'm putting on a live event in a few weeks and my numbers are already double what they were two years ago. Wow. But I set my goal, you know, so high and I was talking to my husband about this exact topic this morning. I said, I should be happy regardless right now. Like my goal is still that goal, but like I'm already doing well. Like it's already a good thing. It's already a positive thing. And not seeing it as a failure, even though I'm maybe I maybe not hit that exact number. Like mean, it's still my goal though.
1: It's funny. Um I did business school, uh, George Washington University, and one of the things we did, we went on these, um, um, like, two weeks in New York, two weeks in L.A., two weeks in San Francisco. And in San Francisco, uh, some of the tech companies, they have, like, on Friday, they celebrate all the failures for the week. Okay. They, they like, they scream out their failures, and they celebrate their failures of the week, because the next big thing, guess you, what do you think? It's going to come out of a failure. Yeah. It's not gonna come out like, hey, guess what, guys? I yeah. hit my goal. Congratulations! Yeah, I'm just, next week. Same thing. No, the next big goal is gonna come out. What did you do? That's crazy. That's never. You mean you could order groceries and then they're gonna come to your house? <laughs> no way. That's never gonna happen. You mean you mean I could get in a complete stranger's car and I can be lost and I can pick up my phone and someone <laughs> will pick me up and take me home? You're crazy, man. No, it, it's actually real. Yeah, that's definitely. how big things happen.
0: Because people tried. A million different ways to get there until they got there. Exactly. Okay, Gary. Let's get into for those people listening that might not know your story. Mm-hmm. Let's get into your career with football. I think one of the most fascinating things about your story is that you walked onto your college team. You weren't even drafted. You tell us how that process works, even with the NFL. Uh, Gary played for the Colts for nine years. Nine years. Nine years. Um, so talk about how those experiences, walking onto your team and then becoming a captain and being one of the most valuable players, um, how has that helped you in what you're doing now in your career?
1: Yeah, so <clears throat> so this moment changed my life. I walked on to Rutgers University, and um, my parents, um, they took out equity in their house twice in order to pay for tuition. Mm. So my third year, the tuition bill comes, and I get a call from my dad, and he's like, hey, Gary, he said the tuition bill come for your college. I'm like, all right, pay for it. Like, what are you calling me for? I'm broke. Like, <laughs> You saw my W-2. Like, what are yeah. you talking about here? You know, as a kid, like, where's that money tree at? Like, go uh-huh. to the money tree, get the money, pay it, you know, take care of it. And, the, and for me at the time, but now as a parent, I realize how difficult that conversation was for him. So <clears throat> he said, hey, man, like, the equity is going in the house like, we don't have the money. Like, you're going to have to, you know, do some different things. You have to come home, figure it out, maybe go to community college, you know.
0: And at that point, are you playing as a walk-on?
1: <clears throat> so, at that point, I'm second string as a walk-on. Okay. And I'm, like, starting uh, special teams. Okay. So, I just got an award for, like, the 12th man hardest worker of the uh, off season. <clears throat> so, I go to my coach and I say, hey, I got the situation. I can't pay for tuition. I'm going to be leaving. I just wanted to say thanks for the opportunity. And he says, hey, no, no, no. He's like, what? Like, you're a scholar? Like, I thought you had a scholarship. I'm like, nah, man, I'm gonna walk-on. How so, did like, he, he not he, know? he didn't know. He just, like, he just doesn't, doesn't He know? didn't recruit. Like, you guys are playing. Like, So uh, he tells the uh, my head coach. So my head coach uh, calls me into his office. And then he says, hey, so I heard you have a situation that came up. I was like, yeah, man, I just want to thank you for the opportunity. I'm sorry, man, but I can't stay. You know, this has been great. And he was like, all right, man, well, um, I just want to let you know that we're going to be recruiting players that are better than Gary Brackett. I'm like, dude, like, I'm leaving. It's good. Like, <laughs> I'm straight. He's like, nah, sit down, though. No. Like, um, <clears throat> he said, but you know what? You work extremely hard. Mm. You're first in every drill. You have good grades. And you take care of your business. And for that, I'm going to reward you with a scholarship. And I was like, what? Like, it was just so surreal in my mind. I thought about that. I dreamed about that. Before it actually happened, it was just, like, amazing. So, <clears throat> I go in the locker room and um before i went to the meeting like i adapted everybody up mm-hmm. like hey guys i see y'all later. i'm gonna call i'll be at one of the parties or something but i'm, I'm leaving after this so i'll come back into the weight room everyone's in the weight room the whole team 100 players and I see my boys and I go give them a big hug. High fives, right? And we're kind of being a little disruptive. So uh one of the <laughs> players comes, his name is Wesley Robinson. He's 6'3, 250 pounds. Um, he looks like Tarzan, but he actually plays like Jane, right? <laughs> so um he comes up to me, he's like, hey, what's the commotion, man? We're like I messed up the workout. I'm like, hey man, I get the I get the sag guy scholarship, I get to stay in school. He's like, Stay in school, you should be the you should worry about starting.
2: Mm.
1: And I was like, Starting like I just won the scholarship, like I was about to go home. Like, what are you talking about starting? But then doing the rest of that workout for the rest of that day, and even I didn't sleep that night. I'm thinking to myself, like, man, why can't I be the starter? Like, what's wrong with me? Where I can't start? And I switch in that moment from that scarcity mindset, mm-hmm. why not me? Why I'm not capable? To that abundance mindset that it should be me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I
1: deserve it just as much. There's no monopoly on success so that so then, but then this is the key part. this is the part that people miss that yes, you deserve it, but it revolves work, yeah, so what does it what kind of work do I have to put in to become the starter? I probably gotta start getting up early
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? I start gotta get up earlier, gain some time. I probably gotta go harder when I'm inside of the workout. I probably gotta eat better. I probably gotta study more film, right? I probably gotta do all these laundry lists of things to start building these championship habits. In order to give myself this opportunity and i and i did it and um not only was I, uh starter um i was a captain and then um mvp my last years in college wow yeah so it was just that mentality shifting to your point going to the nfl similar story was a free agent uh, but at this point my mind was made up like i belong here yeah like i don't care peyton who like marvin <laughs> who and, like i belong here right and for me it just i never was intimidated you know, and my coach, my uh, coach uh, Greg Sciano, he was like, he's like, don't look at the back of their their jerseys at at Manning at because James. that's
0: because he's saying their names are intimidating. Or... Yeah,
1: yeah. Beca- but so many times people when our businesses like uh, my my restaurant uh, my sports bar we'll talk about that yeah um, stack pickle and it's like if I look at you know uh, Buffalo Wild Wings sure. or some of these other eight hundred pound gorillas it's intimidating mm-hmm. like they got massive budgets a bunch of locations. They've been around for forever, and you'd think, "No, they're the restaurant down the street mm-hmm. that we're competing against, yep, he's number eighteen, he's number thirty two he's number eighty eight and when I started looking at it like that, it was just like they're human just like I am, Yep, so I could compete with them,
0: yeah, let me ask you this um this work work ethic that you you continue to talk about. What was your childhood like growing up? Does, was that instilled by mom or dad? Where did that come from? Because we aren't, you know, like we're usually taught that from somebody.
1: <clears throat> yeah, so um, we grew up middle class, uh, Glassboro, New Jersey. And <clears throat> I had uh, three older brothers, one younger sister. And it was, you know, times there was only X amount to eat. Mm-hmm. So in order to eat. Right, you had to be on time. You had to do certain things, Um, and, and in order to be successful, like you just had to work hard. Like you had to figure it out. And my dad was like, "Like, hey, I need money, sneakers." He was like, "You need money? You got a lawnmower outside. <laughs> it's a bunch of grasses around the neighborhood that need to get cut." Yeah. You know what I would do if I were you? I will cut some grass uh-huh. get you some money to pay How for sneakers. How old were you when that was? Starting so I, I'm in like on. eighth grade, seventh okay. eighth grade. So um, in sixth grade, I had, like, a, I used to collect cans. Okay. So back in the day, like, you could collect uh little aluminum cans. I had 10, 15 trash bags full of cans in my backyard. It smelled like beer cans, uh-huh. the whole thing. And I would take them and recycle them and get money. So it was just one of those things, like, if you want something, like, you're capable. Go get it.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: So that was just the mentality that I always, you know, kind of had.
0: Yeah. What would you say to someone who has that, like, limiting mindset, just everything that we're talking about right now, like that limiting mindset, like why me? And, you know, I think it's really easy to compare. Like you were saying, mm-hmm. you were talking about the Buffalo Wild Wings and your franchise that you're growing, but it's not Buffalo Wild Wings yet right. as far as like how big it is. And I mean, you could, you could say that to, you know, I could compare my own podcast to like other podcasters. And so how do you get rid of that limiting Belief system.
1: So it's funny, Michael Gladwell. Um, he he wrote a book, David and Goliath. And um, in, in college, um, we had a very challenging time. We won, like I said, six games in four years. Wow. So very challenging, right? <clears throat> um, so it's this belief? Um, when we ter- heard the stories as kids of David and Goliath, that David was at a disadvantage, and Goliath was this massive guy, and he killed all these people, and he was just giant that was like undefeatable right mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the reality of the situation is is goliath had this disease called gar- gargantuanism and that affected his eyesight so that's why in the text when they about to uh, battle goliath yells down and says, david come to me well the reason he says comes to me because he can't see
2: mm-hmm.
1: right and I, I would tell people when they're comparing themselves against other people in their competition there's a lot of blind spots that are out there so for you in my mind the abundance mindset i just look at What's possible because of those blind spots. Mm-hmm. So I look at competitor, our competitors and look at what aren't they doing? what 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 isn't the consumer happy with? Where can I step in to make a play? And even, you know, podcasts, the same thing. Like, how can I give my, my my viewers, my listeners more value? Yeah. How can I provide something that's not yet in the marketplace? And I think all those things, instead of thinking about what you don't have, thinking about what you do have and how can you take advantage of it?
0: Yeah. So you, when you played for the Colts, you uh, played for Coach Tony Dungy. Yes, is he someone in your life who was a mentor, and would you say he was helpful in in your career?
1: Yeah, extremely helpful. Yeah, I think um, obviously very smart student uh-huh. of the game, and not only that, one of the biggest things I learned from Coach Dungy was like never get too high, never get too low,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and this momentum piece is just like putting everything in perspective. Where there's always a next play.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, now that's a little bit dangerous in my family life with kids and children, and you know sometimes they're ecstatic and they're happy, and I'm not, you know what I'm saying I'm not. So um, so I have to you know kind of train myself and be thoughtful and intentional about hey, like he's it's his birthday, let him be silly. Sure, let him like, get
0: crazy. I know, it, it, yeah. right?
1: Because sometimes as a parent you just like oh. hey, stop that. Why are you
0: talking so loud? And it's just
1: like because they're a kid. <laughs> yeah. Like and, for, and and the one thing, we talked about the jar, mm-hmm. and we talked about um, fleas. And we, in, in my speech, I, I, I talked about how fleas have this 30-inch inch vertical. However, if they're put into a jar, and they keep on banging our head on the top of the jar... That vertical then decreases because they don't want to get banged their head no more. Mm. So what do they do? They start jumping 24 inches, right? Mm-hmm. So then if there's more fleas in there, they start having babies. What are you going to teach their kids? Hey, it's like you hit your head, you go 30, so mm-hmm. jump 24, be cool, right? And as parents, I think sometimes we have the jar on our kids. We mm-hmm. have the lid on the jar.
0: Oh, that's, yeah, that's powerful.
1: Right. And yeah. when them, like like your daughter wants to sing, she wants to play the piano. Yeah, I'm like, I, I don't play the piano. Daddy doesn't play the piano.
0: Like, yeah. well, how,
1: how are you going to play the piano? Yeah. She could be the next uh-huh. Alicia Keys. Yeah. But yet we as parents sometimes like, no, my mm-hmm. mommy wasn't good at that. So yeah. that has nothing yeah. to do with it. Yes. It's advantage. If you take advantage of it, if you were good, it's a plus you can help. If not, there's coaches out there.
0: Totally. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's really good. I, I know. I think about that with my kids, not on like a performance level, but even just sometimes when they're being so loud and so excited, I'm like, I like, I just want to tell you to be quiet, but like maybe I shouldn't be quieting you right now because you're six and you're excited about something and that's just your nature. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to tell you yeah. to not be excited.
1: And then, and then. but I, it's
0: so loud. It's, it's so loud.
1: <laughs> so my, my, my wife, she promotes it, but for like before school, like they play music and they're on this descendants kick right now. So nice. they're play descendants everyone. And they're dancing around and jumping and being silly and goofy. And I think it's awesome.
0: How old are your kids?
1: Uh they're ten, eight and six.
0: Okay. And your girl, girl boy Girl boy girl. Girl. Okay. What what have you noticed the big differences between raising girls and boys so far?
1: My girls are way more emotional. Okay. Yeah. They're like, um, they really are like, you know, friends and she said that uh-huh. and she said this and my ten year old. On one time, we're entertaining the family, and she's in a room like on, in this like group chat beef. And I'm like, I'm okay. in a room. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, yo, your family's in town. Like, we gotta go in the pool. Like, yeah. it's time the family time. Uh-huh. She's Like, dad, you don't understand. I'm like, what? Don't understand? It's like someone just said I'm a mean girl, and I made another group chat, and then I got these other girls, and then I explained my side of the story. I'm like, baby, girl, none of this matters. No
0: oh my gosh i i have only boys so yeah, i think i maybe escaped that a little bit uh, but that sounds very stressful
1: yeah but then i just tell her like you know um one it, it doesn't matter and it's gonna go away uh-huh. and 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 two like stop defending yourself
0: yeah yeah
1: and and it's like your true friend should know like get now gabriel's cool with me like uh-huh. so it just it's just funny give her that perspective so it's um it's a, I, you know what? I love my, my relationship with my 10-year-old because it's like she can tell me anything or she can ask me anything.
0: She's your youngest?
1: Yeah. Well, she's my oldest. Oh, she's your oldest. She's my oldest. Okay. So I I, I set the tempo and then she's like, Daddy, why are you always so much harder on me? I'm like, because you're the oldest. And and you're setting an example for your, your younger children. Mm. And I'm like, um, you know, and there's going to be awards and other benefits. But at the same time, I'm going to need you to step up and, and, and do some things. So she kind of gets it. Sometimes she pouts but, um, she'll come to me when I say anything about anything, so i I love it sometimes I have to prepare for those conversations, but, yeah,
0: good. how did you and your wife meet?
1: So I came to Indianapolis in two thousand and three, okay, and she's actually from Indy. okay, so she's actually went to Brown University mm-hmm. and graduated in two thousand and four, but she was like home for the summer, so we would play spades and stuff for you know uh me and my boys and her her girls, so eventually, in two thousand and seven, um we started dating. And then um, we had a child 2009, and okay. then we got married. So, yeah.
0: Awesome. Um, okay, so I wanted to go back to Coach Dungey just a little bit because I know that you had some big tragedies in your life mm-hmm. while you were being coached by Coach Dungey. Both your parents passed away, your brother passed away, and I have just loved hearing you speak about how he kind of gave you that, not permission that you needed it, but like right. his, his motto is faith. Family, then football. football. Yeah. So can you talk about that season of your life when all of those hardships were happening and how you kind of balanced everything and walked through it?
1: Yeah. So like you said, I lost my father in in 2003. Uh, Then five months later, my mom passed away. And then then a year later from that, my brother. So it's very, and I'm talking 23, 24. So I I go from being the man of the house to the head of the house to now – not only head of the house, but now my brother has four children that I help. So, um so it was just one of those situations and for me I struggled with so much, especially with my faith and with my religion. And because I felt like like how could you do this to me? Like like what are you trying to teach me? Like what did I do to you? Like, like why is this fair? And it's amazing because at home we had this picture on the wall that I would just disregard didn't even look at it didn't read it right and i'm just going crazy one day at the house and i look up and i read this picture on the wall and it's a poem and the poem was footprints and the footprints states um this young man challenges god like you know in all my areas of my life when things were great you were by my side but when things got tough like there's only one set of footprints on the beach like like where were you at the tough times and that's when the lord responds that my son is when i carried you Mm. So that really just gave me perspective. And then my mindset went from being a victim uh, and being upset to more of gratitude. Like, you know what, man? I was blessed to have my parents in my life for 23 years. Some people don't get that. Mm. And then for me, it was just like, I'm going to live my life the rest of my days. And the way I'm going to honor the dead is how I live my life. And some people want to honor the dead, you know, by keep on thinking about them and their memories and, oh, it's me. Well, they were still here. No, but they're not here anymore. But you are. Yeah. So how can you now make them proud by your actions?
0: Do you have people coming to you for advice when they're walking through things like that? And, like, what do you tell them?
1: So I do quite a bit. Um, we recently, recently this year – launched um yeah another business uh this one is champions academy so i'm actually coaching and mentoring uh, some high performers just on you know how to navigate the world and really just how to develop championship habits in every area of their life so in the area of spirit spirituality the area of families and relationships my thing to them anytime that they're dealing with death is like run through the wedge and what, what do i mean run through the wedge well in football um they had this thing on kickoff, it was called the wedge, where three guys would come together. They were all like 270, they 320 pounds, and they would all come together, and they would run up the field. And usually one of the guys on kickoff team, which was me, my job was to hit the wedge. Most guys would run around the wedge. They would avoid the wedge, and they will not be in the NFL too long. The reason I was able to stay in the NFL, because I wasn't afraid to hit the wedge. mm And what I mean by that, so many times in our lives, when we're going through these different seasons, there's wedges that are there. And those wedges could be a conversation you need to have. That wedge could be a visit that you need to make. That the wedge could be you um, looking at someone's business, looking at someone's phone, whatever that situation is, like you have to not be afraid to hit the wedge. And as you hit the wedge, you start realizing, and what I realized after I hit it, like, it's not that scary. Mm. It's amazing how smart our fears uh, become once we start attacking them.
0: Yes, that's so true. Now, and you, and you talk about this, and I, I'm sure you get this question quite a bit, is that you aren't necessarily like a large lineman. Was that your position, a uh, lineman? Uh, linebacker. Linebacker, yeah. okay. Right, right. I'm not the best with football. <laughs> I do watch occasionally. But um, talk about – I don't know if overcoming is the right way to put it, but just like not letting it stand in your way. Like this is my size. I'm 5'11", and I can be the best player I can be no matter how tall or wide I am.
1: So for me, it goes back to what I said earlier about not worrying about what you don't have Mm -hmm. and focusing on what you do have, right? And for me, being my size, I had leverage. And football is all about leverage. Low man wins. Well, I'm already low. I'm already underneath of you. <laughs> so for me, the lineman, 6'6", 320 pounds, is it easier for him to block someone 6'4", 260 pounds or 5'10", 228 pounds? He, he, the lineman wants me to run into him. I'm making his job easy. But for him to have to chase me around to get underneath of my shoulder pads is almost impossible. So for me, I'm just like, what's my advantage? I'm I'm quick and I'm low. So I'm going to beat them with speed and I'm going to play underneath their pads. And by doing that, it's just like, like I would I would talk to man like, oh, I hate playing against you. Because one had to bend down and get me. Mm. So when you bend down, are you strong when you bend down? Not at all. Mm-hmm. So now you have bending down, you're weak, and now here I am, popping you in your mouth. like So you didn't, it didn't feel good. So for me, it was just, again, using what I had not really focusing on what I didn't have is so how I was able to play at 5'10", 228", 230 uh, for my career.
0: What was that like when you guys – won the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, a uh, great big deal. Portion. Pretty big deal. <laughs> Something that you kinda of think about a lot. Two
0: thousand and eight uh,
1: seven. Two thousand seven okay. 07 season. Um I guess the Chicago Bears. Uh-huh. So um I shared again today about um our our best team was two thousand and five when we lost to the Steelers.
2: Okay. But
1: two thousand and six all uh, the stars came together. We had a good run. We um you know capitalized on some of the momentum that we had and then went in the Super Bowl. And winning the Super Bowl what's amazing Is again, you realize that so many times in our life we have these mountains that we want to climb, and we think, "Man, once I win the Super Bowl, like that's it.
0: That's the mountain,
1: right? Once I get, once I hit a million dollars, like that's it. I'm Mm -hmm. there. Once I'm married, I'm good. Once I have kids, Mm -hmm. there's always gonna be a once. So once I won the Super Bowl, I realized when I got to the top of the mountain. That there was more mountains. Yep. And then I had to put myself like, all right, well, you know, success is repeatable. What championship habits helped me get to this mountain? Well, those same habits are going to help me get to the next one. So that's kind of my mentality when I went to the Super Bowl. Like I woke up and water was still wet and I still had to put my, my pants on one leg at a time. Mm-hmm. right and you're really like wait you mean i don't become like superhuman like i don't it's not affinity stone i don't become thanos like no dude like you still like so for me just that perspective would just help me out just like man so for now when i'm goal setting again mm-hmm. and even when i have one of those big lofty big hairy audacious goals and mm-hmm. you hit it it's just like all right i'm gonna celebrate it i'm gonna be excited but i got more goals
0: yeah, that's I, I love that. I'm a marathon runner myself. And I feel like I'm like, if I could just break three hours in the marathon, like, that'll be my mountain. Yeah. And then I can just run for fun. But hearing you talk about it, it's like, I don't know, maybe then I'll want to do 255. You know? It's, yeah. yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, so let's talk about your mentorship a little bit mm-hmm. and your foundation. I mean, you retired from football and you've just been going going going. So, how did you decide, okay, I'm done with football. What's na- next?
1: Yeah, so uh it usually football decides it's done with you. <laughs> That's
0: true, okay? Is that how it happens? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: so I got injured okay. uh my knife career, I caught an interception, got tackled out of bounds, put my arm down and tore like my okay. labrum. Um so um so after that, uh, I got released from the team, didn't get picked back up. But for me, just looking at football and understanding the risk of playing the game and where I was at, I'm just like, man, it's time for me to, to go out and do something else. So I didn't know exactly what that was. And funny story, my um, initially I'm thinking, like, I think I can retire. I think I will go golf, sit on the beach, some ties. And how old are you at this time? I'm 30, 31. Wow. All right. Sounds
0: nice. So my <laughs> but, um, but for how long? It, so you know, this, this is
1: it. So I'm three months in. My wife, she's a doctor. This okay. time, she's a medical school, so she's working.
0: What kind of doctor is she? She's
1: a family practitioner. Okay. So she's working back to back, sixteen hour shifts. Work all right, babe. I'm going back to work. All right, love. I'm going to the golf course. <laughs> like, <laughs> so my daughter, she was like, uh, she was five at the time. So she looks at me. She's like, Dad, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? I was like, "What? Like, you don't see this house, like this ring, these cars? Like, what are you talking about? When I grow up, I'm growing. Like,
2: uh-huh.
1: but it's another another one of those nights when you don't, where you lose sleep and it's like, man, like, mm. what do I want to do when I grow up? So for me, I went back to school. I retooled. I uh, got an education at George Washington University. Um, I feel like I put more tools in my tool belt. Um, that gives me ability to go out there and teach, to learn, um, to be a good uh coach, a good CEO. And, um, I just, I just, like I said, just, I just want to constantly move people and I want to constantly give people the tools that they need to be successful. Cause I think my greatest joy and see is others succeed.
0: Yeah. And so you now you own the stacked pickle, which is a restaurant. How many franchises yeah. do you have?
1: So there's 10 stacked pickles that I own okay. and then I have four franchisees.
0: Okay. I've, I've been to the stack pickle once. Okay. I can't remember which one it was. How many are in Indianapolis? Mm, eight. Okay. I, it was after like a 50 mile bike ride. I know that. Uh, and I got like, I think I got some like fried dill chips or something. A bunch of us came and that was obviously before I knew who you were. I knew yeah, that was so your restaurant. So now you're going to come out of town with yeah, your kids. So. There we go. What's the closest one to the downtown Broad Ripple area? Cause that's where I live.
1: Uh, uh, 10th street. There's one. Oh, there's one on 10th street. Yeah. 10th and what? Um, right there across from IEPY.
0: Okay. We're doing some Indianapolis talk here. Yeah. Um, well, I've heard you talk about this in your business too, like your employees and cultivating that a, a positive work environment and teaching them to be successful working at the Stack Pickle. Right. How do you speak that into your employees?
1: I think the biggest thing is um, letting them in on the game plan. Mm. It's uh, funny. I coach uh, my kids flag football. Um, I'm a big analogy guy, so sorry for the stories, But, um, so the big I coach them in flag football, right? And the flag football is 7-on-7 seven seven. um. So I have my whole team in, a, in the huddle I give them the play Hey, we're running left, block left, go But these coaches are out there And they're like, hey, lineman, You go up there and you get by the ball Make my job easy so I don't have to deal with you Hey, you three guys, this is what we're going to do So these running these plays And the linemen don't know the play And it's like not working and it's awful. And I'm just sitting back like, dude, they don't know the play. That's why you're not successful. And they're looking at me. You got better players. No, my players know the play. So in the Slack Pickle and in my business, I tell them to play. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing. This is how it's important. And ultimately, I'm going to talk to your best station. What's in it for me? This is what's in it for you if you do it this way. So by having that type of clarity with my employees, they now understand, like, okay, I know the game plan.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine if you didn't take all that on and you were still just playing golf every day?
1: Uh, Man. (laughs) I I probably would have broke my 100 score. That could have been on the list. Nah, I just – but you know what? I have so much more fulfillment by doing something than by, you know, retiring and sitting on a golf course.
0: Yeah, tell us about your foundation.
1: So my foundation is Gary Brackett Impact Foundation. Um, It started after uh, my brother, Um, I gave him a bone marrow transplant, and I was in the hospital and I saw walking him back to his room, so many kids affected by the disease, and I feel like that um, if I had a platform that I would do something. So um, after Super Bowl 2007, we started a foundation, Gary Brackett's Impact Foundation, so we help critically uh, and chronically ill children, as as well as some underserved youth through uh, four programs. We have Gary's Lockers, where we have lockers in uh, three, four hospitals okay. in, here in Indiana, where we provide Christmas. We provide other things for them um, throughout the year. We do Mother's Tender Heart Luncheon, where we provide um, the moms that's taken care of, because usually the mom is the one who's taking care of the sick child. So we have a tender heart luncheon where we give them like a champagne brunch, usually a gift or something like that. Um, now that I'm employer, I employ over 400 people, uh, we do Impact uh, Works and gets people um, to actually have a job. And then in order to have a job, you got to be ready. So then we do impact ready, when we go out and speak to some kids to get them ready to enter the workforce, what should you be looking for in your employer? What as an employer am I looking for my employee? And what should that relationship look like? So that's kind of the nuts and bolts of a foundation. It's something that, you know, to this date, we helped um, serve over 200,000 residents in the state of Indiana.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. That's so, so cool. Yeah. So- so you do you personally serve as a mentor to, like, I don't know, I just think of, like, young men who might need a strong male figure in their life. Like, where do you see those people coming in to work at uh, your restaurants?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that relationship is more uh, difficult. Yeah. Because I'm a big proponent of leading through my managers. And it's tough for me to have a relationship with someone in the store because if something happens, I'm going to call Gary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, how can I empower my general manager?
0: Yeah. That, yeah, that's touchy. So,
1: not good, right? So, more people outside of the store, uh-huh. I really get to talk to them. Once they become general managers, mm-hmm. then I talk to them on that level just because now they're accountable to me. Yeah. And then they go back. So, um, that's kind of, but I talk to, you know, a lot of different you know, high schools and different individuals. I have 20 nieces and nephews back home. So, oh. they always get unsolicited advice yeah. every time I'm around. Here comes Uncle Gary. Oh, boy. Be ready for hey. it. So, what are you going to do?
0: Yeah. So yeah. Well, I love that you're using your platform for that, too, because sometimes I also feel like people might say, well, everybody's doing something. So why am I going to do something? And it's like, make something out of it. You know, like you you could just be golfing.
1: Yeah. Like you but said. Like you still, everyone is doing it. One, there's a market there.
0: Yeah. Two,
1: like, how how are you different?
0: And there's a need.
1: Yeah. And don't be a copycat. Yeah. I'm going to do it as No. Yeah. Go ahead with your special, unique talents and abilities and make your mark.
0: And you have to look for it a little bit, too. Like, I mean, when you're talking about your brother and mm-hmm. that situation, like you saw the need.
1: Yeah, no no question. It's just seeing a need is one thing, but then actually doing something about yeah. it is, is kind of like the the whole. And so many people, well, well, you were in the NFL uh-huh. and you had resources mm-hmm. and you had this and people will call and listen. Mm-hmm. And you can help thousands of people. And I think it was Mother Teresa that said, if you can't help a 1,000 people, just help one. Yeah. And so many people discount like, oh, man. No, just help one.
0: And I'm sure you've been told no.
1: Yeah, a a bunch of times. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, high percentage rates.
0: Yeah. How do you deal with no's?
1: That's Um, hard to hear. You know what's crazy? Like, um, doing this coaching and everything else, um, it's like our percentage game. So, just like, all right, you have a funnel and there's a percentage rate of people that's going to say yes. could be 3%. Mm-hmm. So you're hearing no 97% of the time. So people are like, man, this is discouraging. So what do you have to do? You have to get more people at the top of your <laughs> – right? Yeah. If it's still going to be 3%, Yeah. so if it's 10 people, that's 3 people. Well, if I talk to 100 people,
2: Yeah.
1: that's going to be 30 people. If I talk to 1,000 people, that's 300 people. So guess what? Increase the people that say no to you.
0: That's right. That's good. That's right. Hey, you mentioned – um football choosing to like when you got injured, like Mm -hmm. you're, are you allowed to say like what you think about Andrew Luck leaving the Colts?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. You know what's great? I said, are you
0: loud? I meant, do you want to?
1: You know what's great about, like, being your own boss? You're allowed to say almost anything, man, right? (laughs) Um, Now, so Andrew Luck, uh, I met him several times, had a great uh, relationship with him, talked to him a bunch. I think every player has to make the decision. The reality of it is, if a player's heart's not into it, football is not a sport where you could be uh, lukewarm. you got to be, like, ready to go out and play. So he definitely made the right decision for him. Um, It was definitely the wrong time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. For I'm not the gonna team. sugarcoat and say, oh yeah, yeah, Andrew, good for you. Yeah. Like if I was on the teammate, I'd be pissed. Like, dude, yeah. you're the starting
2: quarterback. Uh-huh. Like, come on.
1: Like, let us know in November. Yeah. Or, you know what I'm saying? When we can draft someone, don't uh-huh. let us know now. Yeah. Um, so timing was not bad. But this crazy thing, again, and it's this whole notion of people think like you're doomed. But now here comes Jacoby Brissett.
0: Mm-hmm. And he's been
1: balling, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he has a lead league for touchdowns at this point. So he's doing a great job. So you know, there's opportunities that are presented to other people, you know, and obviously sad to see Andrew go, but I'm I'm just as excited to see Jacoby take on his role and, and to see how he's doing out there on the field.
0: Yeah, I, I just found it interesting because you kind of thought, like, once you got injured, you're like, I could be in pain for the next, like, three years or I can move on to something else. And I know my husband has talked about this a lot too because it's like, well, he's like, he's he's got it made. He can go find another career at this point um but we're not like hardcore football fans so right right yeah so
1: funny story so when i got injured i injured my shoulder i went to new york to have surgery i just had my second little boy and my daughter was um what was she She'd have been uh two at the time so um i'm home i'm rested i'm on the couch i'm at pain pills i have my sling i'm in it all day so i take my sling off so i'm laying on the couch snapping with my sling off and my two-year-old Jumps on daddy. Mm. So she comes and jumps on daddy right on my shoulder. So I'm startled and I like kick her across the the fence. Like,
2: ah! Because it hurt.
1: So I kicked her and my wife's like, what are you doing?
2: I'm like, what did she do? (laughs) This
1: this whole big thing. And it's just like, and you just realize like the pain. Like I couldn't carry my kids. And it's just like, so you realize when people make those decisions, like, oh, I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. Um, It's a bad time.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, Gary. So we have a couple questions that we end the podcast with. We've talked about your kids a few times though. So first I'd just like to ask, like, what's like the biggest biggest legacy you want to leave behind for your kids? Like what do you want your kids to learn from your life?
1: Man, that's an amazing question. I think for me it's all about one, never giving up, and two, just gratitude, mm. just being grateful. And so many times we're always looking at, you know, other people's plate, and we have so much on our own. So I just really want them to be grateful about, for their lives, you know, for what's afforded to them, what their potential looks like, and just, you know, just living a, a, a life that's full of grateful
0: you know that's i i think about this gratefulness thing a lot it's so hard to balance like i can provide my kids with everything they could ever need or want and like how do you how do you teach them to be grateful when they're getting the new shoes and like how do you do it
1: It, it's it's (laughs) it's challenging and i think it's about having the conversations and um so when I was in the NFL, it was this thing where you could buy whatever you want. You could afford house, cars, you know. And what I learned was just like, man, I'm. it's not really doing it for me. Like, I'm still not, like, fulfilled. And what I've learned and how I live my life is that I seek my happiness by limiting my desires rather than satisfying them. That's good. So just trying to teach them, it's just like, no, it's not about having more desires and having more wants and more needs just like, how do you enjoy what you have here right now? How do you enjoy, the, you know, people's company? How do you enjoy these conversations? How do you enjoy this moment? And not always thinking like, all right, what's the next big what's thing? What's the next?
0: I- yeah. it's so. an ex- That's an exhausting way to live. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Gary. So you own restaurants. Yes. We've talked about that one of the so this podcast the illuminate podcast came from a supper club uh-huh. um myself and three other couples my husband and myself and three other couples we get together once a month and we make a meal at someone's house and you know when it's not at your house you just get to go sit and enjoy the meal and bring uh-huh. a bottle of uh-huh. wine good so one of the questions we ask people is do you have a favorite recipe that you'd like to share
1: so i do okay um are you ready for it Totally. All right. Awesome. So this is called, and my youngest daughter, Georgia, loves it peanut butter crunch. Okay. Right? So this is what it is English muffin. Okay. In the toaster. You bring it out. You put peanut butter on it. Cut up some bananas. Put some bananas on it. And then you sprinkle some granola.
0: Sprinkling. That's the key, the that's granola. The key.
1: Then you put it together. Peanut butter crunch. For breakfast, high in protein. Uh huh. Great meal. She loves it. So
0: I love that. It. I'm going to start sprinkling granola on my kids. That's it, Sandwiches. That's awesome. Um, who's someone in your wor- in your life who is illuminating the world around them?
1: Ooh, someone in my life that's illuminating the world around them. So I have a lot of great uh, friends and, and mentors. Um, I think for me, I think um, this is a gentleman out of uh, California um, named Satema Ghali Jr. Um, and I'm going to his conference here in two weeks, but he's like a public speaker, high performance coach. He just has an amazing message message. And um, he's kind of been talking to me, mentoring me. And um, he has these immersion programs where he bring in these people in for three or four days at a time and just breaks them down to build them back up. And for me, the value of one person is clutch, but to do it multiple times for multiple years. It's just amazing what you could do when you free someone. And essentially, we talked about, you know, closing the, the lid on a jar, opening up that lid on someone's jar, and seeing them jump out. It's just like, wow. So he's been doing it for a while. So i I, I just been really, you know, enjoying our relationship and just seeing how, how, what he does on a bigger stage, man. It's just been amazing to watch.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's so important to watch people – doing similar work that you're doing but like using that as like a mentorship type thing for yourself because you can mentor hundreds and thousands of people but you still have to have your own mentors
1: yeah it, every coach needs a coach
0: yeah yeah
1: right so it's this thing like oh man you're a coach you help people out like you have no i don't have what all will figure out i have coaches yeah <laughs> like I, I still need help
0: for sure all right gary here's the big one okay what's your one message you'd like to send to the world
1: my one message I wanna to send to the world, <laughs> man. Um, this is a good question. Um, for me we talk I share a lot of it, my messages. Um, and I think it's that one thing about it it I go back to the, it costs you nothing to be grateful. It le- legit costs you nothing to be grateful. So, um living a life by design and not by default you will be way more happy and fulfilled. And I think so many people live their lives on default. Like, what do you have? What are you going to do at work today? I don't know. I'm going to check my email. I'm going to see what, you you know, and it's like, no. If you want to be successful on on however you deem success, live your life with attention. Sunday night, what do you have planned for your week? How many times are you going to work out? All right, let's pick out our workout clothes. What kind of meals are you going to have? Do you need to meal prep and that stuff? What meetings are you going to have? Do you need to read before those meetings to figure out what kind of decisions need to get made? So when I, on Sunday night, do my preparation for the week, I feel so empowered when I go into the meetings. And people ask me, like, how are you so confident? Because I already ran this. Like, I've already practiced this. I practiced this already. So I could feel confident in this meeting. I could feel confident in the speech because I, I gave it 10 times. I, pre- I prepared I was intentional and i think so many people don't live life with attention and aren't grateful and i think that's why they're unfulfilled they're happy they're not engaged because so they don't know what engaged they don't know what it is i think that living your life with attention taking the inventory of yourself is really what i believe um everybody want today
0: all right Everybody, thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you, Gary, for sharing your story and being a light in this world. You are certainly illuminating the world around you. You can learn more about Gary when you go to garybracket.org. You can find Gary on Instagram, where he is Gary Bracket. You can follow the Illuminate Podcast on Instagram. We are the Illuminate Podcast. We'll be updating you on weekly episodes as well as some other really fun content from the four of the hosts on this show. We're sharing recipes. We're sharing life stories. Really great over there. Make sure you're following The Illuminate Podcast. We also have a Facebook page, The Illuminate Podcast, and we are on Twitter, but we haven't fired that account up yet, so stay tuned. If you've enjoyed this episode and this podcast at all... Head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review and hit that subscribe button. We'd appreciate that so much. Thanks so much for listening and we will see you next Wednesday on the Illuminate podcast.